On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Derek Parker of Draft Digest to give you three bold predictions for the NBA draft. Who's the best fit in Oklahoma City? Our final predictions for what will happen, best and worst fits as well. It's a draft preview with Derek Parker, all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Hello, Thunder Pod. You can also check out thunderousintentions.com uh, for written work over there. And I'm joined today by my good friend and media fellow media member, Derek Parker of draftdigest.com, of insidethethunder.com, uh, and the Derek Parker YouTube channel, which you should go check out. I think it's called D Park OK, just like his Twitter account is. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal, man. I'm uh, I'm on the back half of a three day weekend, and it's always a great day when you're on one of the best sports podcasts in the game, Locked On Thunder. I'm stoked to be here. I, I I'll get you your check on Thursday whenever we go to the draft. So <laughs> don't worry. That. I've already written I've already written out the check for you for saying that. But uh, Derek, it's going to be fun, and it, there's going to be very little sleep pad this week. This is going to be a crazy week. We're doing our final draft preparations right now. Thursday, Sam won't even talk to us till 2 a.m. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to drive an hour and a half back home. And then Saturday, we'll talk to the prospects and everything else. So jam-packed week all the way through, including on Lockdown Thunder. We're talking to you today. We're going to talk to Keith Smith tomorrow about the CBA. Uh, and then Thursday, we're going to do our best and worst and most likely case scenarios for Oklahoma City in the draft. Friday, we're going to recap it all and then continue on. So make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from. Derek, it is time to preview the draft. It's draft week. It's here and let's start with bold predictions. Let's just come out the gate hot. I want three bold predictions from the Derek Parker of Draft Digest. What's your first bold prediction? Okay, I, I do have three, and these are increasingly more bold as we go on, so bear with me. The first, which has gained absolutely no favor in the eyes of Thunder fandom, is that Oklahoma City trades back, not up. They trade back. I think the Utah Jazz with the 16th and 28th picks are a potential target and the Brooklyn Nets at 21 and 22. We're going to get into all these names, Rylan. There's like 20, maybe even 25 names that we could realistically go into. Like we were talking about pre-show, there's so many and we can rationalize the Thunder taking so many of these names that maximizing your chances at two doesn't seem like the worst option, especially if you can get that guy that you want at 12. If you can get him at 16, add another prospect at 28 via the Jazz picks. I think it's a high high likelihood of actually happening. Derek, I'm glad you brought this up because it brings us into this topic. I like that bold prediction, and I think that you're right. S- sticker shock, surface value, fans are not going to like it, especially when the Woj tweet comes out initially, the Thunder <laughs> traded back. But we hype up in our mind this perceived roster crunch. And look, the, it's no shade towards them, but – there are guys on this roster that you can easily upgrade from. Like, like I'll, t- I'll put it to you this way, Derek. Like, there's a perceived roster crunch, but there's also names who you're comfortable moving on from. Like, you're comfortable moving on from Lindy Waters as much as a hometown hero that he is. You're comfortable moving on from Trey Mann. You're comfortable moving on from Jeremiah Robinson Earl. 
if you get a prospect that you think will be better than those guys are. They've had their shot, and that's part of what the Thunder have been cultivating here for the last three years is that they want this this internal competition uh, and, and to bring in competition and to just see who rises to the top of that. And so I don't think it's outlandish to have this idea that the Thunder will move back and get an additional first-round pick because I think that people prematurely looked at um, the trade with Denver where you get pick 37 as like, okay, that solves the roster crunch, but there isn't a roster crunch yet. Like, like yeah. people like to say this, but there's just simply not enough good players on this roster for it to be a roster crunch. Like for it to be a roster crunch would be you have 15 guys who you absolutely really love and you've got to make a really tough decision. And as much as we like their stories, and as much as we've rallied around these guys, it's not a very tough decision to decline the option of Lindy Waters. It's just the fact that he's a hometown kid. Same thing with Eugene Omarui. You, you signed him to a standard deal. You cut him within a week, and it wasn't that hard to do because you don't have that personal attachment to him. But taking out that personal attachment to these guys, you see that like if the Thunder were to trade back and get two guys that they really believe in, there's a pathway to move on from these guys to, to, to open up a roster spot for both of them. So I think that trading back is more on the table than people think because they won't let themselves kind of get past that perceived roster crunch. What do you think about this roster crunch? Yeah, I think to your point that these guys are, they're very unproven. Like as much as we like these guys, and I could add a few names to the list too. I mean, if you're really looking at a roster crunch, and when you talk about a roster crunch, you're doing it for the, the sole purpose of like making a deep playoff run and making a run at the finals. And I don't want to sit here and just like drum up drama and like call guys out and say, oh, they're not going to be an NBA player and things like that. But when you like really dive into the the meat of this thing, is Jalen Williams from Arkansas going to be around at that point? Is Usman Jing even going to ever hit his high end outcome and be there? Like there's no disadvantage to adding guys to this thunder gumbo that we have and seeing, like you said, if they rise to the top, maybe you get Derek Whitehead and he comes back looks like the old version of himself in high school, and he rises above what Usman Jing is projected to do. There's, like you said, there's just no disadvantage to having these guys in a competitive environment, getting as many, maximizing your options, as many as possible, and, and seeing what happens. You're right, and, and I think that, you know, the Thunder have four players who you're not going to even touch for a long mm -hmm. time. Shea, J-Dub, Giddy, Chet. You're going to let those guys ride it out figure it out, and just not even move them and not even touch them, not even worry about them. The rest of this roster can be in flux and we'll have to figure things out moving forward, including Lou Dort, because Lou Dort has the disadvantage to him of like, he's kind of the only salary that you can use to make a big trade if you ever mm -hmm. want to make a big trade. And that's not going to happen this summer. It's it's probably not going to happen next summer either. But like, the, he's just, the reason he's not in that protected four is because, you know, he's kind of the only one who has that salary that you can use to make a trade with. But in either way, I think it boils down to would you be stunned if you trade back from 12, okay, and you draft, pick your two favorite. Let's just even take just the G League guys. Let's say you trade back and somehow land Leonard Miller and CD Sissoko. Would you be stunned if on October 1st, Leonard Miller and CD Sissoko have outperformed at training camp, Lindy Waters and Jerry, and, the, and they move on from those two guys? It would not stun you. We cannot spend all all regular season saying, hey, these guys aren't performing, and then come summertime say, well, there's just this huge roster crunch. Like as much fun in a sugar rush as last year was, they don't have too much of anything. 
They don't have too many guards. They don't have too many forwards. They don't have too many big men. They they have four incredible players. They have other players who you think um, can be contributors. Like me personally, I am very high on Jay Will, especially seeing what he did in the G League. Um, but, you know, like you said, he could come back this year and we were very high on JRE at this time last year. So like mm-hmm. things can change repeatedly and the Thunder just are not out of that dart throwing stage yet. And I think that people want them to be because they won 40 games last year. And that's not quite the way that you should look at it. And I don't think it's the way the Thunder are looking at it. Yeah, totally agree. You nailed it per usual, Mr. Ryland. Derek, you, you just keep running <laughs> that tab up, but what's your bold <laughs> prediction number two? Uh, the second one is that Oklahoma City drafts Maxwell Lewis 12th overall. He is a guy that he's fallen in mocks and on people's boards to around the mid 20s, sometimes even as far as the second round. Pepperdine forward, six foot seven, seven foot two wingspan, really good defender, extremely lengthy. Uh, he can shoot it from outside. If you watch him play basketball, I urge everyone listening to this right now, at the end of this recording, go watch him play basketball set up two TVs, put him and J-Dub right next to each other, spitting image. And I think in terms of what Oklahoma City is looking for, he adds a lot of it. And I don't think people would have any issue with having multiple iterations of J-Dub on the basketball court. So I think he's a true sleeper to jump back into that lottery-ish range. That's my bold prediction. I like it. That has gotten progressively more bold. And now I'm just extremely excited for you know what... Bold prediction number three is going to be, which is your hottest prediction. But let's oh, stick on- you're not ready. Oh, gosh. I'm scared now. But let's stick on Maxwell Lewis for a second. What does he give you year one? And then what does he give you in five years? Yeah, it's a good question because his kind of low-end outcome, I think in the least, he's going to be a lengthy wing who can defend a lot of positions and he can shoot the ball here and there and get you buckets here and there. The high-end outcome we could be looking at something similar to J-Dub. I mean, he's got real creation potential. He anchored a Pepperdine team, which that's kind of a point of contention for a lot of people. It's Pepperdine, conference play. He really tapered off efficiency-wise. But in terms of like pure tools, he's got everything you want, all of it. So the sky's kind of the limit, and he kind of has a baseline floor of good NBA players. So, I mean, that's, that's a lottery talent to me. I think, I think that he could be someone who, like, if he falls out of the lottery, he could be somebody that um, people look back on, on in, like, five or six years and go, whoa, how did how did he fall? How did he, uh, you know, miss out on, on being a lottery pick? I am kind of concerned with the whole Pepperdine thing and, like, the results that happened at Pepperdine. I'm kind of concerned, like, you know, just if he is a lottery talent on my big board. Uh, but you've done a good job selling your bold prediction number two, and I cannot wait to hear what your biggest bold prediction is. And we're going to get to that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at BetterHelp, go over to betterhelp.com slash NBA because we know that BetterHelp can help you. It's helped us as well. BetterHelp is great because it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you, you know, and, and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when you spend all of your time giving, you can kind of leave this kind of feeling of being too stretched thin and being burnt out. 
but therapy can help you uh, give you the tools to have a more balanced uh, life. And, and so it can help you support others without leaving yourself behind and, and kind of helping you as well. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed uh, for your convenience. It is flexible and, and it's suitable for your schedule. You just fill out this brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you don't like your match of your therapist, no problem. You can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. So go find your balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked in MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked in MBA to get started today at BetterHelp. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We've also done our Lockdown NBA mock draft. I acted as Sam Presti, and I made a trade that I'm going to get Derek to grade later on. So go listen to the mock draft on Lockdown NBA feed uh, or the Lockdown NBA YouTube channel. We're here on Lockdown Thunder and the Lockdown Thunder YouTube channel with Derek Parker, who has his own YouTube channel. So it's a lot of YouTube inception here, but also uh, editor-in-chief over at Draft Digest and Inside the Thunder. Derek, your third bold prediction, the boldest of your predictions. All right. My third and final bold prediction, the Thunder land Zion Williamson. Massive blockbuster trade, fireworks everywhere. The Twitter sphere explodes. Um, obviously, this would probably involve not only 12, but one of the higher level pieces from Oklahoma City. It seems for some reason that this Zion Williamson trade is impending. Like all of the, the major outlets today said it could happen on Thursday or Friday, they don't expect him to be a Pelican. Maybe the teams near the top take a player. The Pelicans are insistent on getting rid of Zion off their team. Presti thinks, hey, him and Chet is the craziest front court we've ever seen in our entire lives. Presti makes a deal happen. You never know. You never know, Rylan. That is a scorching, hot, <laughs> bold take. I, I don't think this will happen, but let's talk to it first. <laughs> So you said that him and Chet, so you've already paired him and Chet together. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to trade SGA for Zion. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think you're nope. that crazy. So that leaves you J-Dub and, and Josh Giddy. Which, which one are you giving up that New Orleans would say yes to? I, listen, I'm a massive fan of both of these guys. But I think, and I think this is true, even like disregarding Zion for a minute. I think SGA at the one, J-Dub at the three, and Chet at the five makes sense on paper in like, any roster construction. And again, I'm a massive fan of Josh Giddy, but he is kind of the odd man out of that trio for me. I just think a one, three, five intermingled with maybe a shooting two guard or a defensive minded power forward. Like that's always going to be a recipe for success. Josh is kind of the odd man out of that. And I think Zion fits into that four just a little better than Giddy does in that lineup. I think Giddy would have to be the odd man out in that situation. Again, this was like the boldest, hottest prediction I had. I don't think it happens either. I love Giddy here. I think he's a phenomenal fit. OKC guy forever, but he, he would be the guy in that situation. I'm glad we both agree it's not going to happen. And, and, I, <laughs> and I think I think that the Thunder are very content letting this play out and not making any sort of move that even makes you drop your jaw this summer. Could be wrong. We've said that before about Sam Presti, and he's actually done those moves, so... Again, could be wrong, but that's just the feeling that you get right now. I, I think that we both can agree. But let's say this does happen. Let's say that the Thunder do it and that they trade Josh Giddy 12 and who cares about the future picks at that point? <laughs> Josh Giddy 12 and then whatever else. And you get Zion. Now, 
I'd have to look if this makes, I have to look if like the, the salaries match up. So, so bear with me, but let's just say that somehow it worked that way and you kept Dort. I think that Dort has being there because of the salaries, but let's just, let's act like you kept yeah, Dort. Yeah. And let's say that SGA, Dort, J-Dub, Zion, and Chet is your starting five. How far does that team go if Zion's healthy? And, and, and let's pretend, since we're pretending that Dort wouldn't have to be in the trade, which he would, but since we're pretending anyway, let's just pretend that Zion plays all 82 games, 48 minutes, and he's just he's just there. That's going to be crazier like? than the trade actually happening. Yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, Zion has his, he has his downsides, but when he's actually playing basketball on the court, there, I, I feel like you can genuinely count on probably two hands the amount of players that are better than him when he is playing at a high level. He is ridiculously good. Now, again, he's not going to give you 82 games, not even close, probably. He, he, You'll be lucky to get 50 games from Zion Williamson. But when he is playing basketball, man, he's unreal. Genuinely unreal. Unstoppable. Everything he was advertised as in that 2019 draft as the top pick, when he's actually on court, I mean, he lives up to it. He really does. You can go check the stats. He was a all NBA player. He's just, he's really good. You're just, you might not get it as much as other guys. Well, your bold predictions certainly were bold. I think, the, <laughs> I think that not only were they uh, descending in terms of like uh, most bold, but I think your first one was the most realistic to happen out of all of them, uh, which was trading back from 12. So uh, that, that, that's a great job by you. Let's stick positive because you've just given a huge culture shock to the entire Thunder fan base and the comment section right now is on <laughs> fire. I give you a advisory position with Sam Presti. Okay. He calls you up in the middle of this recording and he goes, you know, we just lost Will and I'm, I'm lost right now. And I know you've been covering the draft all year long. Give me th your three favorite names that I need to go get write it on a, on a sticky note. Okay. Write it on a sticky note. Uh, just like, you know, they did on draft day, uh, you know, write it, write it right here and, and say X name, no matter what. And you give it to Sam Presti. What are the three names that, that the Thunder should go get no matter what? Number one, I think is, well, maybe not number one. The first one I'll give you, I don't know where he would actually rank within these list of names, but the first is Casey Wallace, who I don't think is talked about enough at number 12. He seems like a guy who right now is the odd man out of the top 10 for whatever reason. Like in Mox, he's falling to 15 to the Hawks, 17 to the Lakers. And that's really, really odd to me because I think he's one of the better players in this entire draft. And I think he checks every single Thunder box, be it perimeter defense. I think he's the best in the class. Really underrated passer playmaker. I think in the lottery, he averages the most assists out of anyone, despite not being advertised as a passer playmaker. Good dude, hard worker, great work ethic from what I have personally heard. I think he offers real versatility in terms of team construction. I know people aren't excited about hearing guards linked to the Thunder at all, but if you were to move on from certain pieces, Kaysen offers a combo guard that could slot in at point guard. He could slot in at shooting guard with his catch and shoot prowess. He is a passer playmaker. If you need a guy like that on the floor for the backups, like he offers so much versatility, even outside of the defense, which again, I think is some of the best in the entire class. Kaysen is, he's going to be a dude. I, I really think people are sleeping on him a little too hard. So I, I like that first pick because I can't get a read on him either. And, and, and I'll say this, I've said it before, but I, I, there's, a, there's a source in a non-Thunder front office that said, that I trust, that said that he's going to go top 10. He's not going to get past pick number 10. Mm -hmm. But yet, 
every mock seemingly has him too low. So I wonder if he's the guy that like inside the NBA, they agree with you that he's kind of a top 10 talent. And yet, and, and like on draft night, we'll say, whoa, this is kind of not what the projections had going on. Cause there's always someone that jumps up in those productions, uh, projections that, that weren't there. It could also be just smokescreen. Like people say stuff all the time <laughs> about these guys uh, because it's smokescreen season and everyone gets, gets kind of exploited by that as well. So I like case on Wallace uh, as your take here, uh, especially as a guy that could, go top 10 that we're not really expecting necessarily to go top 10 on draft night. So Derek, number two, number two is your boy, uh, Grady Dick. He would be my personal favorite pick probably at number 12 or even a little higher, which is where I think he'll go. I see no future in the NBA where he doesn't absolutely light it up from beyond the arc. He's more versatile than people give him credit for. I think he's going to be a fine driver and finisher. He's moderately athletic uh, the defensive concerns are completely overblown. And even if he's not, even if he's not some average defender with the Thunder, he would have Chet Holmgren waiting on the back line. He's a smart enough basketball player. He'll figure it out. I just think, I think he's going to be really good. Honestly, he was the Gatorade player of the year coming into college. He was really good in a very restrictive Kansas system that typically does not favor youth. He's going to be a stud and I'll give you this little nugget ahead of my board, which should come out tomorrow on YouTube. You know I love nuggets. If not on Wednesday, I have him sixth on my personal board. So there you go. Two, two things. Two things. Number one, I need to hook you up with Philip Rossman Reich of Locked on Magic, who drafted Grady Dick sixth in our mock draft. Uh, but number two, don't know if you've been listening to Locked on Thunder. It's okay if you haven't. <laughs> but every time that we talk about Grady Dick, I have to mention that he's like the Bee Gees because he's more than a shooter. Yes, sir. More than a shooter to me. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right here, Derek, you've inspired me. <laughs> if the Thunder draft Grady Dick, if they if Grady Dick is on this Thunder team at midnight on Thursday, I will write, record, produce a full-length parody song of Grady Dick being more than a shooter. <laughs> I, you, you can't even begin to imagine how much I'm going to hold you to this. I might not stop Twitter DMing you this, sending you lyrics. We're going to write it together in the Thunder Eye. I'm, <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for that. And now I have even more stake in them drafting Grady Dick, which again would be my, my personal favorite selection. So. Well, listen, you've already said two names and you only get one more and there's two guys out there that Thunder Twitter loves. Who are you going with for number three? Number three, I think Thunder Twitter will like it. Leonard Miller, uh, he offers both front and backcourt tendencies. He gives you those big body qualities like rebounding, dunker spot points, transition stuff, but he's also going to be able to stretch the perimeter, which is going to be crucial in the Thunder system. Honestly, just point blank, period, full stop. He's funky enough that I can see him in a Thunder jersey. Uh, I've heard, again, heard he's a great kid, hard worker, drastically, drastically improved his stock from 2022 to 2023. I think that says enough about his work ethic right there. One of the more productive professional players in this entire class. So I, I think he's really good. I have him graded as a lottery talent. I'm kind of trusting my gut on this one, but. Derek, I feel like you've scripted this entire thing just for me because <laughs> I love Grady Dick and I love Leonard Miller. Uh, you know I'm a Leonard Miller stan, and, and I cannot wait. I don't know what Leonard Miller bet I would make for Leonard Miller. Maybe just like 
shotgunning a Miller Lite. I don't know, but it's <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen, at least not publicly. Maybe after we go to the Southern Iron or whatever. But uh, love it. I think Leonard Miller would be such a great fit in Oklahoma City. I would be overjoyed if the Thunder can walk away with Leonard Miller. I'd say this. Besides Grady Dick, my two other favorites that I want the Thunder to get in some capacity, Leonard Miller, which would have to be at pick 12, mm. or trading back, whatever. And then in the second round, find a way to go get Kobe Brown. Like, I love mm. Kobe Brown. I would, I, I think Kobe Brown would just be the uh, the perfect guy in OKC in the second round. And so, real quick, how do you feel about Kobe Brown? Is he on your big board? He's not in my top 40. Oh, but, but you know what? But you know what? I'll put him at 41 just for you. I, I might even have to add that to the video because it's not made yet. Maybe I'll just go top 41 prospects, add Kobe Brown. But I'm, I'm a fan. You know, he's a... Uh, He's good. I could totally, totally see that being their second round swing. But in order for that to happen, he'd have to go to 50. So kind hey, of a... it's, it's easy to trade up in the, in the second <laughs> round. Let me say that. It's very easy to trade up in the second round. Derek, I got a question for you. Do you go shopping? Do you go like grocery shopping at all? I attempt not to, but I have to at some points. Yeah, I just get too hungry and thirsty. Yeah, I, I try to survive as long as possible without it. But, but it's a necessity. It's a, yeah, it's a necessity. You got to. Just like you got to go get school supplies, you got to go get, go get a new wardrobe from time to time. Look, you're already doing these things, so why not do it with Ibotta? Because Ibotta is fantastic. It is a wonderful option for you for for stuff you're already doing. You can get cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you uh, back hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Everything that you need, you either link your loyalty rewards account or upload your receipts after every trip. And you're able to get cash back the easy way with Ibotta. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in cash back. That could cover an entire shopping trip. It could even cover your flight to Vegas Summer League. It could also just cover a night out with your uh, favorite person. So check it out today uh, and go check out Ibotta uh, because you can save a ton of money while doing so with cash back from Ibotta. And right now, Ibotta is offering listeners $5 just for trying it by using code LOCKED. If you use code LOCKED, you get $5. So go right now to the App Store or Google Play Store and check out Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play Store or App Store with code LOCKED, and you get $5 just for doing that. So Derek, now that I've gotten you some money, let's discuss the rest of this draft, and including our final predictions, but that's coming just in a moment. First... I've grilled everyone else that I've brought on. I haven't grilled you yet. So here you are on the trigger smoker grill. Worst option for the Thunder. If if Sam Presti turns in this draft card at pick 12 and, and it's announced by Adam Silver, this name is the draft pick, what would make you go, oh, that's so... Listen, I'm, I'm, before we do this whole section... I'm a generally pretty positive person in general, and especially so with draft prospects. I don't like to completely harp on anyone. I can see good traits and and the good in everyone. So I don't want to just completely tear these kids apart. But probably the one that would most make me upset, as you said, uh, would be Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas. He's been mocked around this range a little bit. I think as high as 13 to the Raptors. So it's not out of the question that the Thunder take him at 12. I, I can't get a gauge on your reaction, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, just not a guy for me that necessarily pops. 
I think he was lauded as this, this creator coming in. And of course, two knee injuries at Arkansas did not help. He's 6'4", good combo guard, can shoot it a little bit, can pass a little bit. He's just, he's too frenetic for me, a little too antsy. I think he looked really sped up by the college level game. And that's not going to get any better at the professional level. Nick Smith Jr. is just not, again, he's just not a guy that pops for me. I, I don't get the good spider sense, tingly feelings whenever I watch him play basketball. And I think 12 would be really, really high. I think 13 to the Raptors would be really, really high. I get a shot in the 20s, certainly, on a creator like this. Like He does have talent. Obviously, he was the third to fourth ranked prospect coming into this class before the injuries. But 12 is much too high when you could get a guy that, like we're talking about Leonard Miller, a guy that outproduced him in the G League. I just think that's much too high. So I agree with you. I think that I, I don't have Nick Smith as a lottery talent for me. Um, I think that he could go that Jaden Hardy route where like he, he mm. goes lower. Like I think for him, it'd be like low first round um, where he goes lower. And then by season's end, he has some stuff on tape. They're like, oh, this could be fun next year. I think that most of his rookie year will be spent in the G League. I will say that if Sam Presti was the one to draft him, people would talk themselves into him. They'd talk themselves 100%. into his high school tape. Like, like the pathway to being optimistic as you and I are for Nick Smith would just be like the night after talking about his high school tape, talking about, you know, his, his, his ability on the offensive end, et cetera, et cetera. The name I always come to in this spot is run repair. <laughs> so, so you're a repair boy. You're, you're a repair, <laughs> you're a repair. I can't think of another R word, but you're a repair resident on, okay. on repair Island. Okay. I don't know if I agree with that, by the way. No, your tweets about like, <laughs> oh, why do people, why do people like repair and not cool? Why do people like Kulabale and not repair that? That tweet sent me. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> um, but maybe because maybe because Kulabale is actually good. I don't know. Maybe that's why. He's, maybe that's why that's like the response Kulabali. I got. That's what people were telling me. But um, okay, but you like repair. Sell me on repair because I'll be honest with you. I, I like to try to, to try to rationalize things on this podcast. I think it's something I'm I'm, I'm somewhat good at. Thursday night, I'm going to get home at like 4 a.m. because Sam's not going to talk till 2. If he drafts Ryan Repair, I don't know how I'm going to sell it. So, like, what what do you say about Ryan Repair? What do I need to see from him that I'm not seeing right now? Because I just don't see a way where he is a threat at all on the offensive end. Firstly, take everything you saw on offense and throw it out the window because he broke his wrist a month into the season. So everything we got was this kind of watered down in, in the same situation as Nick Smith. It was this watered down product. He wasn't fully healthy. He wasn't in rhythm. Again, another guy like Usman Jing that went to another country, spoke a different language, went to a pro league that I think Sam Presti, hate to say it, Ryan, I think he's going to like that again. He told us that at the end of season presser. He can respect a guy that that leaves his comfortable situation, goes to another league and, and tries his hardest there. Rupert is a guy who he's going to be a good defender. There's no world where he's not. Six foot six, seven foot two wingspan, legitimate size. He's got good instincts. He's fleet of foot. There's no no world where he's not going to be at least in the upper echelon of defenders in the NBA. So that right there can be like a selling point. And I get that that's not the selling point on a team like the Thunder that already has some of those guys. Offensively, again, the wrist injury. But he had these flashes of secondary creation and passing ability feel for the game that I think the Thunder would enjoy if they drafted him. He's not an adept finisher. As we saw from his numbers, they were, they were pretty poor shooting is a work in progress. 
Offensively, he is a project pick. There's there's not a lot to sell at this moment in time. But I think he can get to a workable number. Everything looks fine mechanically. It's not completely awful. He can take people off the dribble pretty easily. There's stuff to like. There is. Again, I get all the concerns. I just don't. And to reference the, the tweet again, I don't see why Koulibaly, where's the box, is all the way up here and repairs all the way down here. Like there, There's not as much separating them as people think. There, there may be separation, just not as much as people think. So, so here's the deal, okay? And I, and, and I don't <laughs> like to bash people. The selling point is that I genuinely believe, for as much as I just said about repair, I genuinely believe that he will be an elite defender, like mm-hmm. a truly elite defender, like one of the best in the league if he hits his ceiling on defense. I, I truly believe that. And so... If you already see a pathway towards a important skill like that being elite, that has to elevate him, you know, up the up your draft board because you know it's better to be elite at something than just okay at everything or just you know good at everything. He could genuinely be one of the best defenders in the NBA. So that's a huge, huge selling point for him. My issue is is that like I don't see how you fix his offense of like he doesn't finish very well. His shooting is a work in progress, which might never come around. And so it's just like, what do you do offensively to, to kind of make him balance out on that end of the floor? It's a good point about number one, just the pure adversity you have to face by traveling to another country, playing in a professional league against grown men who are doing this for a living. And like, this is their end game. They're not looking to go anywhere else except for dominating the NBA. And we saw how hard that was, you know, for Josh and, and, and for Usman and everyone else. So that's a huge proponent of that. I, I think that uh, the wrist injury, obviously, we saw what it did to Usman, I, I, how, how it kind of can kind of uh, split your season into two parts and everything else. And another selling point would be the Thunder are in a position where they have a great coaching staff at both the NBA and G League level. I think people do not understand how great that G League coaching staff is and how great that they improve guys. Uh, without, If you put J. Will in any other G League environment besides the blue, um, and maybe Sioux Falls, he is not ready to play playoff minutes, you know, postseason minutes. He's not ready to start in the NBA whenever you have those rash of injuries. He's just not ready. But he was with Cam Woods in the blue, therefore he was ready. So I'll say that to say this. If the Thunder did draft repair, he can be an elite defender, which which is great to be elite at something. You can t- you can take the pressure off of him by giving him time. You you can put him in the G League basically all season if you wanted to. If you if you wanted to redshirt him and put him in the G League all year. And give those minutes to Usman. Give those minutes to everyone else on this roster. You could absolutely do that. And, and I believe that if you put someone in this Thunder culture for a whole year and they truly work hard, which it seems like repair will, that they can get a lot better. And so that would be the selling point to me is that they could get better. They could, you know, he could uh, in this environment find a role offensively because he's already going to be elite defensively. And these are some of the best defensive coaches in the, in the NBA. Cam Woods got a lot of credit as the defensive mastermind for that for that first iteration of Mark Staff until he went over last year and became the blue head coach. So, uh, you know, he's great defensively. He'll get the best out of repair as well, and then you can slow play repair um, even though he's a 12th overall pick. So I, I can already lay that that pathway for selling him, and you're doing a good <laughs> job of convincing me. I've got it's, your keys here as a, uh, a repair resident. They're ready. Hey, I, I might rent a, a small condo <laughs> on Repair Island. Uh, but I, I just think that there's other guys who can uh, who can do similar enough things. Like I'd be much more excited about the about what Koulibaly could be versus what mm-hmm. what repair can be. Like if they both hit their one of one ceiling, who's the mm-hmm. better player? 
100% Koulibaly, just based off athleticism. If we're talking like they hit their ax- absolute maximum output, he he measured taller, longer, has better athleticism. It, it would be Koulibaly. But I'm skeptical. Obviously, anybody hitting their one-of-one ceiling is going to be really hard. For some reason, I just, I'm just i skeptical Koulibaly hits it. I, I need to see more for one, and I'll talk about that on my big board again tomorrow. This is a guy who we haven't seen a ton of. He's like shot up the basketball world in the last few years, played for the, the U21 team, finally got his chance on Mets 92 and made the most of it in the playoffs. But just a guy that like you could be getting a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of like he's a very, very fresh world prospect. And I think that you... I think that drafting Kulibaly is a lot like drafting repair. You need to just basically give them a, a redshirt year. Now you're obviously going to, Mark's going to play like for those of you that don't know, Mark's going to play 10 to 12 guys next year. Still like, I know they won 40 games. I know they're going to try to go to the playoffs. 100%. He's still going to play 10 to 12 guys a game. So like they're going to, both of them would get chances in the NBA. I'm not saying that they literally will play zero minutes, but the bulk of their minutes I think will come in the G league for either one of those two guys, uh, you know, initially to, to grow and to get comfortable and to, and to work on some things that you can't display at the NBA level. But I just think that if you're drafting a player at 12, you're banking on what you know about them, what you know about your coaching staff, what you know about your your environment, and you're saying we can get them to their ceiling. And if you believe that, then Koulibaly for sure is the right answer. And there's other players as well, not just Koulibaly, who I think have a higher ceiling than what Repair does. Now, if you trade back from 12, then we start to open up the Pandora's box of like, yeah, I'd like Repair. It's just that 12 specifically – He's the one name I'm just like, I don't really know what to sell you on besides he can be an elite defender, which there's a bit of fatigue around that, around uh, the Thunder fan base of like, oh, this is a great defender that can't really do anything offensively, which I get. I understand completely. Uh, But ultimately, even as much as I'm out on repair, there's no way to mess this up for the Thunder. Like the Thunder could draft repair and I'd still be like, well, I would have liked so-and-so, but I still understand it. And so like the Thunder are in such a position where this is why you're seeing so many smoke screens like come out because they genuinely could do anything. They could trade up, they could trade back, they could stay put, they could draft any position, any player, any prospect, anything, which makes predictions extremely hard. But Derek, you still got to give it to us. What is your prediction for draft night? What do the Thunder walk away with and how? I have toiled over this for hours. Like when again, when you when you sent me this question, I'd have to put my official prediction on air live to to millions. He got me shaking in my boots. I've been having fever dreams about it for two days now. But I think I finally landed on with the 12th pick, no trades. I think they take Leonard Miller. I think this is this really is just me trusting my gut in the sense that I think he's a lottery talent. I think the Raptors, and I think this has actually been reported, they're heavily working him out at 13. If that's the case, I think the Thunder snag him at 12. They realize that's the range to get him. Like I said earlier, he's funky enough to to fit on this Thunder roster. If he ever, ever develops even a workable three-point shot, which the numbers are already fine, the shot's wonky, and the Thunder have never really shied away from grabbing guys like that, especially with Chip England now on staff. They don't care what your three-point numbers are. They think they can get you to a workable percent. If he ever gets to that point, he is going to be a monster because he's going to be able to take any big man in the league off the dribble with his combination of handling fluidity first step burst at his size six foot ten is nuts i just think he he adds enough weird wrinkles to this roster alongside shed in the front court maybe he plays the three again the this thunder team is essentially positionless maybe he plays the three 
maybe he plays point guard down the line. Like there's so many wrinkles here with Leonard Miller that I think you can add to this Thunder squad that make it extremely volatile. I, I think he's the pick. That's where my gut leans right now. I would love it. I would absolutely love if, uh, if uh, Leonard Miller was the pick at 12. Now, we got pick 12 solved. No trade up from 12, pick 12, Miller. Do the Thunder buy back into the first round? I really think so. I, I thought that before they traded 37. Then they traded 37, and I got a little more wary of maybe they don't value that range as much as possible because there's not a ton of separation between 25 and 35-ish. I really thought, I, I just, I really think they're leaving with two players in the first round. I, I, it's just a complete gut feeling. I don't know why. I love the value there. Love it. Again, there's 30 names that we could talk about in those ranges. Like Derek Lively adds fun wrinkles. Maybe Buffkin slips. Nick Smith Jr. would be a fun flyer. Like CD Sissoko. There's so many names. I can't imagine they don't have one of those guys higher on their board than everyone else. So I think so. Here it is. Now, you brought up Derek Lively. Give, mm. give your sales pitch on why the Thunder should and shouldn't draft lively before we get out of here. Um, should good rim protector. Uh, yeah, that's why they should draft him at 12. Heck no. He, he was one of the players I have on my, he was second to Nick Smith jr. on don't do that at 12, please. Uh, shouldn't production does not back it up fouled a little too much to be an elite elite rim protector don't buy the three-point shooting too much just not enough production five points per game didn't do it for me at duke i don't know i don't see it i don't think i mean you you know this chet's gonna be playing the five lively's not a four he i don't think he's gonna space the floor that well especially at the gate he's more projecty than people think especially in terms of his shooting now if you're drafting him to dallas and all he's gonna do is plant himself in the paint, try to block shots and dunk the basketball whenever Luca throws him lobs. Great. But if you're drafting him to shoot and make threes, you're going to be in for a heck of a time because that's not going to happen anytime soon. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, I think, I think people are just still in this mode where like, oh, Chet's not a five. Look, he might not be. We might, we might look three years from now and go, okay, it's time to pivot. I really cannot say this strongly enough. Do not think that the Thunder are going to be predictive. They're going to let Chet play the five this year. He's going to be the center this year. Like it or not, he's going to be the center this year. And we'll see if that's the right move or not. But like, I think that they're going to let him be the center. So I don't see them necessarily taking Derek Lively at 12 because of that fact. So uh, you're right on that. Derek, cannot wait to look at your draft board tomorrow on your YouTube channel, which they can find at? Derek-Parker is the YouTube channel. Your Twitter is at dparkok. You're also on draftdigest.com and inside the thunder.com. What are you cooking up here entering the draft? What am I cooking up? Yeah. What articles are we going to be on the lookout oh, for? Oh, oh, we got one today. I detail what a trade back could look like for the thunder. So a lot of the things I talked about on here, but just a little more uh, in detail, specific ideas for prospects, specific trade packages, things like that. And then I think on the draft digest side, I did like a, it was like a Lakers top three prospects at number 17. Something something funky. There you go. There you go. Something, <laughs> you do something funky. Now, last question. Last, last, last question. Okay. We talked pre-show. We're both staying up till 3 a.m. grinding, getting yep. out content on our respective websites and podcasts and YouTube videos. 
what gets you through the night? What gets you through these late nights? Oh gosh, Red Bull. I've been watching The Wire recently. That's You're been keeping Bull. me up. I'm. I shouldn't be. Listen, I kicked. I kicked caffeine from like March 20th, my birthday. I decided I was. I was done with the caffeine up until about a week ago. And then, like you talked about, this draft cycle has been hitting me, and I was like. I need a Red Bull. So, so I went and got one. I think I've had one every day since. So I'm back on the caffeine grind, unfortunately. What about you? What, what have, what's been keeping you up? Uh, just coffee, like a ton of coffee. <laughs> um, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I am down to just coffee and water. And sometimes I throw a little crystal light packet in, mm. the, in the water. But other than that, Derek, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. And you should also be good and be good to one another.